Well, I don't know how you feel about background noise, but I thought it would be refreshing to do a, a short bit on our podcast today. So here I am at the back end of Sarasota Bay. The sun is up. It's about 8.30 in the morning, and I want to spend some time with you and share with you some of the things that have been going on recently. And, and a lot of what I've been reading has been centered around evil. You know, a lot of people are making the astute observation that there is a lot of evil in the world today. And now more than ever, people are concerned about evil and the impact that it's having. A lot of people have asked, you know, is there an acceleration of evil in the world? Is this why we're seeing... You know, I mean, a lot of people... I was just watching an interview yesterday with one of my favorite singer-songwriters of all time on the Joe Rogan podcast, Roger Waters, who's been uh, an influence in my thinking and in my music appreciation for several decades. And he's talking about the existential threat of World War III and how our leaders are sending weapons and, uh, you know, we've got Russia invading Ukraine, bloodshed, bombs dropping, bridges. People are really concerned. We've got our own president talking about Armageddon, for God's sakes. Then, you know, there's there's just so much other hardship with the human trafficking that's going on, the drug use, the internal conflicts from each country, the ideological struggles of each country within each country, the factions that are facing off against each other, and this entire us versus them. You know, everyone's a threat to democracy or everyone's a threat to liberty. I mean, there is a, there is a, there's a tempest, no question. I'm reading, I was lucky enough to have Byron Balitzos send me, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but some of his writings that are coming up in a book that he's about to publish, and we are going to have him on in the weeks ahead. Byron has been with us before, talking about his last book, having to do with the soul. And Byron is a brilliant man. I'm glad he, he's a big fan of the Urantia book because when you read his work, he is a, indeed an academic, very scholarly in his approach, in his thinking, in his knowledge base. Very, very smart man. And it gives me comfort to know that such a smart intellect shares with me the enthusiasm of the fifth epical revelation. So... But the subject of evil is is the subject of Byron's book, which is I, why I bring it about today. And there's a lot of questions going back to St. Augustine and the Greeks. And they thought a lot about evil. They tried to understand what, what caused evil, what makes people evil. Is evil uh, self-originating? Is it a force? Uh, why do people behave badly you know I oftentimes think of that one par uh, exercise in the Arantia book I don't know if you remember or recall it but it talks about picturing a man with a club in his hand and he's facing at you and is, is, he's about to kill you he looks like a savage man and, and you take from that that 
this is not a good thing. This man is evil. But when you widen the picture, you see that the man is actually fighting against a saber-toothed tiger trying to protect his family. And just by having that extra context illustrates that perception has a lot to do with evil, I think. Uh, and I'm going to share with you some really good prose here in a moment from the Arantia book, from paper two, about the love of God, because it really illustrates very well, maybe even unintentionally, what God's perception of evil is. Um, as an example, you know, I have a cat, and the cat likes to kill things, small animals. We have these little lizards that run around. And um, my cat naturally likes to kill them. And everybody in the family gets really upset. You know, it's, it's a moral indignation when this cat kills a roach or a bug or a fly. Uh, and I say to myself, it's like, you know, the cat doesn't have any moral ambiguity about what he's doing. He's simply hardwired to kill that thing. So there is no moral equivalence in the mind of a cat. But there is the perception in the mind of a person, morality. And it is that morality, I think, that is instilled in us, bestowed. Only a moral being uh, would would be offended at evil and, and so it, it, in that statement lies the very truth that evil is often a perception it's transient but there are also other forms of evil as we've seen and as we see in the world today with the way that people treat each other uh, I'll give you a good example you know in the abortion debate you have a group of people on one side who believe that they are right and keeping abortion as a protected right and they will fight to the death to keep that right so they don't see that they're doing anything wrong but if you look at from the other perspective people who believe that they're saving a child and so they act uh, against the others who are protecting the rights of the mother and then there's the people protecting the rights of the child so who's right both sides see the other as evil, but for different reasons. So evil sometimes is in the eye of the beholder. I, I it, it all depends. I'm reminded that there's this Phil Collins song, Both Sides of the Story, which illustrates in the lyrics the story of a man who's robbing someone walking through his neighborhood. And the robber explains to the man, Look, I'm powerless, but with this gun... I have power. So it's always important to look at evil from the perception of, of what's being done, by whom, and for what reason. Uh, evil, I don't believe, is spontaneous, or at least it shouldn't be. It is in some cases. There are people who derive great satisfaction by being evil or by being selfish whatever it is, whatever endeavor they're involved with. You know, if you're into pornography or, you know, staying up late every night, you getting drunk or uh, harassing people for pleasure. I mean, you may not see what you're doing as being evil, 
And then at that point, you know, you're crossing into sin. And then eventually, inequity. When we learn from from uh, not only the Arantia book, but also from many different sources, is that Lucifer fell because he fell in love with his own self, his own pride. Pride is, evil derives itself from pride. I think pride is the impetus for true evil because pride of self, pride of I want this and it only matters to me that I get it at any cost, that in itself is evil because you're disregarding the whole. Selfishness, pride, ego, those are all gateways to inequity. And remembering that the Arantia book tells us that evil is relative. It is the absence of good. Just as cold is relative and it's the absence of heat. So let me look and see if I can re read a little bit from paper 2, section 5, paragraph 1. The love of God. God is love, therefore his only personal attitude towards the affairs of the universe is always a reaction of divine affection. The Father loves us sufficiently to bestow his life upon us. He makes his sun ri to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. It is wrong to think of God as being coaxed into loving his children because of the sacrifices of his sons or the intercession of his subordinate creatures. Quote, for the Father himself loves you. It is in response to this paternal affection that God sends the marvelous adjuster to indwell the minds of men. God's love is universal. Quote, whoever will may come. He would, quote, have all men be saved by coming to the knowledge of the truth. He is, quote, not willing that any should perish. The creators are the very first to attempt to save man from the disastrous results of his foolish transgressions of the divine laws. God's love is by nature a fatherly affection. Therefore does he sometimes, quote, chasten us for our own profit that we may be partakers of his holiness, end quote. Even during your fiery trials, remember that, quote, in all our afflictions, he is afflicted with us. God is divinely kind to sinners. When rebels turn to righteousness, they are mercifully received, quote, for our God will abundantly pardon. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. End quote. Quote, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. After all, the greatest evidence of the goodness of God and the supreme reason for loving Him is the indwelling gift of the Father the adjuster who so patiently awaits the hour when you shall both be eternally made one. Though you cannot find God by searching, if you will submit to the leading of the indwelling spirit, you will be unerringly guided step by step, life by life, through universe upon universe, and age by age, until you finally stand 
in the presence of the Paradise Personality of the Universal Father. Uh, there's a lot to absorb, but the writing, just unbelievable, just so inspiring. How unreasonable that you should not worship God because the limitations of human nature and the handicaps of your material creation make it impossible for you to see Him. Between you and God, there is a tremendous distance, physical space, to be traversed. There likewise exists a great gulf of spiritual differential, which must be bridged. But notwithstanding all that physically and spiritually separates you from the Paradise personal presence of God, stop and ponder the solemn fact that God lives within you. He has, in his own way, already bridged the gulf. He has sent of himself his spirit to live in you and to toil with you as you pursue your eternal universe career. So again, that's from paper 2, section 5, paragraph 1, The Love of God. So again, in its perspective, it seems to me that evil is, is, is almost as much about perception as it is ignorance because we act evil out of ignorance of the light. Um, it's easier to be evil when you don't have God, I think. When you have God, you, you instantly recognize when you're about to do something that isn't good. Your moral conscience lights up. So that's where we'll leave it. We'll have more continuing conversations about these kinds of things. I ask you to share this podcast. But I also want to say thank you. There are uh, some great communications coming in. Some of them that I'll share in the next podcast. A lot of good questions being asked by people who have stopped by to enjoy these podcasts. Don't forget to check out the website as well, urantiaradio.net. Um, it's a great intersection of all things Urantia. And my email address, urantiabookradio at gmail.com. And until next time, thanks again for stopping by for this brief Urantia Radio podcast. Like a dog without a bone.